Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church, located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make him known. The Old Testament lesson for today is from 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 8 through 14. This can be found on page 277 of your Pew Bible. Today's reading describes the failure of Saul, Israel's newly appointed king, to place his trust in the Lord and to follow God's ways rather than rely on his own understanding. A reading from 1 Samuel chapter 13, beginning with the 8th verse. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel, But Samuel did not come from Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, Bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. Samuel said, What have you done? And Saul said, When I saw the people were scattering from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, for which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. I memorized that verse. That's Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. I memorized it over 30 years ago when I was in confirmation class at my church. And it's always stuck with me. Now, if you were to look at the track record of my life over those decades, you probably would notice sometimes when I regarded that wisdom from God and sometimes when I disregarded it. I want you to hear those words again from Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. In today's scripture, we're going to find out what happens when the leader of a nation disregards this wisdom from God. We're making our way through the three-year chronological study of the entire Bible, and we're in the book of Samuel, looking at today at the life of King Saul. And we're going to find out just what happens, what are the consequences when the leader of a nation, and in fact the whole nation, disregards the wisdom to trust in God with all our hearts and to not lean on our own understanding. Last Sunday, we heard from Pastor Heather, the people of God, the Israelites, they demanded a king. 
They said, give us a king. All the other nations have a king. We want what they have. They were operating out of fear, and they asked God to give them what God had said he didn't want for them. Yet in his gracious provision, he gave them a king. Well, the first king that they got was King Saul, and he's a pretty bad king. He's a bit of a disaster, actually. Samuel, who we've also learned about, he was the prophet of God. We first met him when he was really young in the temple, and he heard God calling his name. Well, now he's older. He's actually quite old. In fact, if you read through this section of 1 Samuel, you realize he's really just trying to retire. He's trying to get out of the game, but Saul keeps messing things up so royally that Samuel has to come in and clean up the mess, as we're going to see in today's scripture as well. So what happens when a nation disregards the wisdom to trust God with all their hearts? We're going to look at this story together. Go ahead and take your Bible out from the pew in front of you if you don't have it out already, because I want to flip back one chapter to give a little bit of context for today's story. So 1 Samuel 12, we're going to look at that first before we get into the chapter that Jesse read for us. 1 Samuel 12, verse 20. Somebody have a page number you can call out? 276? 1 Samuel 12, verse 20. The Philistines are breathing down the neck of the Israelites, threatening to attack them. And the Israelites aren't responding well. Let's pick up the story in 1 Samuel 12, verse 20. Samuel, the prophet, said to the people, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. And I will instruct you in the good and right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. I just want to summarize what Samuel is attempting to speak to the nation here. He's basically saying, look, you've made a big mess of it, but it's not too late to turn back to God. And here's what I want you to remember. Don't rely on all the normal strategies and devices that you're used to relying on, your own devices. Don't rely on those. They're empty. They will not deliver, says Samuel. Instead, trust God with all your heart. He knows what he's doing. Fear him alone. Because Samuel knew that when we fear God, we have nothing else to fear. When we have a holy reverence of the king of all kings, we will not fear the plans and schemes of man. So Samuel gives this important instruction. There's a chance for you to turn back. All you have to do is trust God with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Fear God alone. Now, how do the people respond to such instruction? What does King Saul do with that information? 1 Samuel 13, verse 8 is what we just had read for us. There's a little bit of a missing piece between these two readings. I just want to explain. Samuel says to Saul, 
I know you're afraid of the Philistines coming against you. Here's what I want you to do in order to show your trust for God. I want you to meet me in Gilgal. I want you to wait seven days. And on the seventh day, I will come and I will offer a sacrifice. We will worship God together on the seventh day. Got it? Let's find out what Saul does. 1 Samuel 13, verse 8. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And the people were scattering from Saul. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he he offered the burnt offering. Now, why is this an important detail in the story? Saul was the king. Samuel was the prophet and priest. It was Samuel's job to bring the offering. He said he would do it on the seventh day. He didn't show up on the seventh day. He's late. So Saul, the king, took matters into his own hands. He says, come on, I'll do the offering. Clearly, Samuel's late. He's not here at the appointed time. I guess I'll have to just do it myself. Saul is royally impatient here. And he does something that's not his job. He's trying to force the matter. He's trying to force the issue. Is he trusting God in this moment? No, he's trusting his own devices. Now, it's kind of easy to pick on Saul, but if I'm being really honest... If I'm in Saul's position, I don't know. I might do the same thing. Those of you who know me well personally know I hate lateness. (laughs) I hate it when people are, I hate being late. I hate it when other people are late. I get very impatient. I'm like, come on, there's only one two o'clock on Tuesday when we said we were going to meet. Where are you? And I'm wondering if Saul is thinking that. He's like, Samuel told me to trust God. He'll meet me here in seven days. We'll worship God together. But Samuel's late. Who does that? (laughs) And Saul takes matters into his own hands. Verse 10, we pick up the story. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. You ever watching a movie in the basement? It's a great movie, and then that one bad scene comes, and your parents walk in at that moment. (laughs) Samuel arrives right after Saul had done the bad thing. Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him and greet him. Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you didn't come within the days appointed and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said... Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal. And I have not sought the favor of the Lord, so I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. I want us just to notice what Saul is doing here when he gives this excuse for why he acted in an untrusting way from what Samuel had instructed him to do. Notice what he's telling himself something. He says, look, you didn't show up on time. My people were scattering into caves. The Philistines were getting more organized. And I said to myself, the Philistines are going to come and attack us now. Isn't that interesting language? I said to myself. He had the voice of God speaking to him, but now he's listening to that inner voice. Uh, Samuel's not here on time. I got to do everything myself. The Philistines are coming. He created a whole scenario in his mind that made him afraid. And then he acted foolishly out of his fear. He made up a scenario that he was afraid of 
And then he acted foolishly out of his fear. Do you ever do this? I saw one hand go up. Thank you for your honesty, Laura. (laughs) We make things up. And then we get afraid of the thing we made up. I have a funny example of this. My wife, Nancy, who, yes, gave me permission to share this, she has this fear. And I think she'd probably say it's her biggest fear. And uh, it's being, hear me now, it's being in a, in a spacesuit, slowly drifting and floating away from Earth into outer space. This is Nancy's greatest fear. Does anyone have this fear? Whenever, whenever there's a space movie trailer that comes on, she, Nancy's just, oh, she can't watch it. She's afraid of floating out into the vastness of the universe. And um, what I love to say to her when I realize this fear has come upon her, I say, Nance, I've got good news for you. Your greatest fear will probably never happen to you. You won't even touch a spacesuit in your lifetime, most likely. We make up fears that motivate us to think and act foolishly. Now, that's a silly example. That's a funny example. But so often we do this, don't we? Saul's basic mistake here in this fear that he made up, he disregarded the word of wisdom that Samuel had spoke to him. Notice Samuel said, only fear God. And Saul decided to fear man instead. There's fear of man and there's fear of God. If Saul was fearing God, he would have revered the words that God spoke through Samuel. Samuel said, wait here, we will worship God together. Trust God. If he was fearing God alone, he would have waited another day or however long it took for Samuel to get there. But he feared man. He feared the Philistines. And rightly so, on some level. They were breathing down his neck. It was a fearful situation. But Saul made up this part that the Philistines were about to attack. And so he took matters into his own hands. He leaned on his own understanding. And then he had to face the consequences of not trusting God. Remember, God had installed him as king. So how does God respond when he realizes he has a king in place who's not trusting him? Verse 13. Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You've not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now, your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over the people. Who's Samuel talking about here? King David, Saul's son-in-law, who would become the king of the nation, whose lineage would come Jesus, the king of all kings. But God takes Saul and he sets him aside. He says, you won't be this promised king the king who would be enthroned forever anymore. We read this as a family uh, around the kitchen dinner table, and we got to this part where God set Saul aside, and my daughter said, so Saul had to go to hell? And I said, no, 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 he, he, that's not what's happening here. He's just being removed from his position. He's facing the consequences of not trusting God. God always gives a second chance Uh, to all people to return to him. But sometimes the consequences of not trusting God is that he moves us out of a position in the kingdom. And he looks for someone else. The phrase here is that he's going to find somebody after his own heart. David would be called a man after God's own heart. What's the difference between David and Saul? 
David made a lot of his own mistakes as well. But why was he called a man after God's own heart? Keep that question in your mind because the whole month of July, we're going to be looking at the story of King David. It's a little trail, a little teaser. Come back in July to learn what made David a man after God's own heart when Saul was not. As in any of these Old Testament scriptures, we ask ourselves, what's the application for us? What's the takeaway? I was thinking about how to apply this scripture to us, and yes, it's true, we've already heard some takeaways. Trust God with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. If you get that wrong, God will have you face the consequences of that. But I think that there's a deeper, more meaningful takeaway for us. I didn't see it when I first started studying this, but we read the scripture together as a church staff team on Tuesday mornings. We sit down together before we go through any of the business of the week. We study the scripture that's going to be preached. And we were looking at this scripture and we were considering this waiting period that Saul was placed in by Samuel and then his impatience and taking matters into his own hands when Samuel was late. And it occurred to Katie, our worship team leader, Katie Troyer, she said this amazing insight that's really stuck with me. She said, you know, we're in a similar situation that Saul was in while he was waiting for Samuel to come back and Samuel was late because Jesus, when he left this earth, he said, I will come back. And you know, it seems like Jesus is late. Doesn't it? 2,000 years. Like Saul... I'm growing impatient, I'll be honest. Like Saul, I feel tempted to take matters into my own hands when I create fearful scenarios and then act foolishly out of my own fear. Listen, there's enough fearful things going on in this world. We don't need to make up new ones in our minds. There's enough to respond to, isn't there? And yet in the midst of all that, while we are here waiting for Jesus to come back, though he seems late, I hear the words of Proverbs reminding us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. The takeaway for me in light of the New Testament is to fix our eyes on Jesus, the Jesus we meet in the Gospels, the Jesus who not only brought the sacrificial offering, but was the sacrificial offering when he died in our place on the cross. And he promised that he would come back again to take us to the Father. We can learn about him and fix our attention and our eyes on him, though the fearful scenarios of the world swirl around us. We don't need to be afraid of those. We don't need to be afraid of man if we fear God alone. You know that scene in, in the Gospels, Matthew chapter 14, I believe it is, where Jesus is walking on water. And they are confused about what's happening. They're confused about who it might be. And he calls out to his disciples on the boat saying that it's him. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, then call me out to join you in the water. And Peter steps out of the boat and he's looking at his Savior, Jesus, the Messiah, the one who created heaven and earth so he can walk on water if he wants to. Peter's looking at him and he steps out of the boat and he's walking on 
The water is well, but after a couple of minutes, Peter starts to look around. And what does he see? He sees the same kind of thing that Saul looked around and saw. He saw things to be afraid of. Peter saw the wind and the waves. And he started sinking in the water. Jesus says to us, no, come on, come on, look at me. Look at me now. Fix your eyes on me. I know it's a fearful world we're living in. I know it seems like there's all kinds of hell coming against us Christians. And doesn't it seem like our Savior is late in coming back? But the caution here is not to turn away from the one we need to be focusing on, not to have fear of man, not to act foolishly and take matters into our own hands, grasping for things like worldly or political power or trying to scheme our way into control and power once again. No, the instruction is exactly what it says in Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord. He's still trustworthy. He's still God, though the wind and the waves swirl around us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make straight our path. Amen. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.